You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You worked all week. Work, 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 work. You didn't have time to look at your fantasy lineups. Son of a But don't be afraid. That's why we give you Weekend Fantasy Update. Welcome to our number two of Weekend Fantasy Update on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Joe Galena hanging out with uh, George Kurtz. Uh, filling in for Cam Stewart today. Cam uh, making his way to the New York area. Uh, he's going to be uh, part of our uh, day-long live coverage of Super Bowl 53 on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. you got the audio feed, the video feed with uh, Cam, uh, Gabe Morenci, uh, and uh, the Fantasy exec, uh, Corey Parson. They'll be taking you through uh, some of the Super Bowl uh, pregame and actually uh, – covering the game with you as well. So uh, good stuff. Uh, lots of energy, lots of entertainment uh, expected. I'll be checking in with them, uh, watching them too. And you got George Kurtz who's going to be uh, checking in uh, with uh, updates, right, at the top of the hour, or is it every half hour? What are your updates tomorrow? At the top of the hour, so 4, 5, 6, mm-hmm. 7, 8, 9. I would assume 10 is the last one. Uh, I don't think mm-hmm. the game's going till 11 o'clock, so uh, I'll say we'll have some fun. You know, I think with most of my updates, I try and uh, make things interesting. There is NHL and uh, NBA games tomorrow. Maybe there'll be some baseball news. Hey, maybe Bryce Harper and Manny Machado will sign with the team. I doubt it, but hey, uh, who knows? Yeah, uh, next segment, we'll be talking to uh, Chris Mitchell. He writes uh, uh, for Fantrax, writes for the Roto Experts. We'll be talking a little fantasy baseball with him. And uh, you mentioned uh, some, uh, the, the, that there's going to be some hockey games uh, going on tomorrow. And uh, let's see, I highlighted a couple of props that involve hockey because I know you're a big hockey fan. And you know, that's one of the things I kind of told myself. So, you know, once football is, uh, you know, is over, I'm going to try to watch some hockey again. Because, you know, I used to watch, you know, hockey is a fun sport, but I think it's better to watch it live in person than on TV. But, uh, you know, you're an Islander fan. I like the Rangers, but uh, I got to be honest with you. I haven't been following hockey the way I used to, but uh, that's one of my goals. Yeah, but here's a here's a, a prop bet, uh, a cross sport prop bet that that I'll mention because you mentioned hockey. So uh, what's going to be higher on Super Bowl Sunday, Alex Ovechkin's total shots on goal, or uh, that's a, a minus one fifteen? Well, they're both minus one fifteen. Or Tom Brady and Jared Goff total TD passes. Ooh, go with Ovechkin shots on goal. Ovechkin, yeah, okay. uh, he he didn't play uh, Friday night. He was suspended. And that was because mm-hmm. he didn't play in the All-Star game. Uh, the Angel has a rule, which I wonder if baseball and uh, football are actually going to go to. You decline mm-hmm. to go to the uh, All-Star game and you don't have an injury, you get suspended mm-hmm. either for the game before or after the All-Star game. So interesting. I'm not saying I agree with the rule, by the way, but I'm, I'm just saying mm-hmm. it's an interesting little rule here. Yeah. But yeah. what's the best-case scenario when you think about that? I didn't. By the way, I haven't seen that prop yet. I am now betting that. I like that. What's the best case scenario for Goff and Brady? Six touchdown passes between them? Yeah. I mean, I, I would yeah. think that's the I could best see that. case scenario. Mm-hmm. Oh, Vetskin mm-hmm. can get that in two power plays. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, this guy, he's never met a puck. He doesn't like to shoot. He is a shooter. Wow, okay. That's what he that's does. That's a good one. He's, got, he, and he's fresh. I like Ovet. Mm-hmm. I'll take that. I'll definitely take my chances there. And they play Boston tomorrow, a team that uh, mm-hmm. Washington has owned as far as hockey is concerned. Glad I brought that up, but these these are pretty cool. These uh, cross sport, uh, these you know uh, props. Uh, I have fun. another hockey. This, yeah, yeah. All prop bets are fun. That's what. That's why. You that's the problem. Feel- There's so much fun that, like you said, you have like you know what you do. Fifteen today. You're gonna add another ten tomorrow. But you're smart. But there's over a thousand said- of them. If you go on the West Coast, right. there's literally over a thousand prop bets. That's why you just find one you like. There's a yeah, thousand yeah. of them. I mean, listen, I have mm-hmm. a, I have a PDF with 32 pages of prop mm-hmm. bets. I mean, I, I, I just keep, I, I still haven't gone through them all, by the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and I, I just keep going through the ones. And if I don't like it, don't, if, I, if I have any doubts, next, next. You know, mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm. don't have to. I, I, I go for the ones that are, that I, that I feel, that feel good to mm-hmm. me. Because I know I'm going to find them. Right. And it's smart what you said. You know, you, you're going to play a bunch. Some you feel strongly about. And, uh, you know, let's say you throw a, a C note on it. Others, maybe you throw 10 bucks uh, just right. to have, you know. Some action. Okay. When I say I'm going to bet 30 profits, I'm not betting $50, $100 on every one. Some of these are mm-hmm. literally $5 bets. 
Just mm-hmm. a, you know, it's the something. As a matter of fact, if I if I end up with thirty of these tomorrow, probably a third will be five dollars, and there could be another mm-hmm. five to eight that are ten dollars, and then yes, there'll be ten that are fifty and hundred dollars. Those will be the ones that obviously I really want to win, that I, that I feel mm-hmm. very good about. And I this this Ovechkin one you just brought up, I'm going to end up feeling very good about. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I brought it up then. I have a when we talk uh, a little uh, Patriots uh, side, I have a, a one that remind me to to bring that one up. Um, but uh, let's finish up with just the Rams and the, and the keys to their to their game. So uh, you know, I'm not saying anything that most people don't already know. But look, Rams are going to have to do something. They're going to have to basically do the unexpected, right? So, uh, you know, you, you talked uh, Brandon Cooks and, and whatnot, and uh, the uh, Patriots probably looking to shut him down, which I think that, the, you know, nothing's easy. But having him on their team for a year, I think they know his game, and I think they're going to have a – I mean, I think they're going to have their way with him. And, and you know, their, uh, their pass defense, you know uh, – not really get, doesn't really get a lot of credit. I mean, but you know, Stefan Gilmore, uh, top cornerback, uh, uh, and uh, I think their rookie is was he J.C. Jackson? I think his name is. And uh, so, but what about uh, let's say the Rams maybe uh, putting a, a little more emphasis on uh, Josh Reynolds? I mean, uh, had seven targets, four catches for seventy-four yards in the last game. He's got the the big playability that they're looking for. And I'll, I'll throw this, you know, as you answer, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a prop bet to. Uh, uh, to think about too. Uh, over under for him is three and a half receptions, and uh, receiving yards forty seven and a half over under for him. This is for Cooks three and a half and forty seven. No, no, for Josh Reynolds. I'm saying, look, we oh, you okay. know let's you know, let's say the Rams uh, you know trying to do something a little bit uh, you know less conspicuous. We'll say. I mean, I mean, everyone knows who Reynolds is, but you know, I mean, if the uh, the Pats are able to take out uh, Cooks out of this game, or you know, negate. Uh, yeah, I'm not touching either one of those. Those numbers sound pretty much right on the line for me for, with, with mm-hmm. Reynolds. And I do like Reynolds. And he's been, you know, Joe, he's been somewhat disappointing for me this year. I've expected mm-hmm. more, especially since Cooper Cup went out, you know, because, uh, I mean, part of it is because, uh, I mean, Goff liked throwing the Cup so much. You were hoping that, you know, Reynolds would take up more of, of that role. Now, part of the problem mm-hmm. has also been because Gurley, the, the running game has been so good. But, he, but when Gurley was out, things didn't change much for him. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I just find it... I said I would have liked to have seen more from uh, Reynolds this year. So three and a half, forty-seven. That really does sound about right. If anything, I'd probably go the under there. But I'm not touching mm-hmm. that either way. Uh, I mean, as far as golf, Cup was his boy, right? I mean, he really, yeah. he really loved throwing to him, uh, mm-hmm. and and. I think that, that I think that hurt him. I think you saw his numbers go down, down when uh, Cup went out. We didn't realize how good that Cup was for Goff here. And then the running game struggling as well without Gurley, I'm sure, also had an effect as teams paid more attention to the passing game. But mm-hmm. uh, I said, I do like Reynolds. I do. But I think three and a half and 47 sounds about right. I'm not touching that. Right. Uh, anything else you can think of in terms of like the Rams uh, utilizing in order maybe, to, uh, you know, well, nothing's really going to surprise the Pats, but you know, maybe something that they wouldn't expect. I mean, look, the Pats uh, during the regular season, they gave up uh, the third most uh, t- uh, touchdowns to tight ends, eight. I mean, uh, you know, Higby, Gerald Everett, do you like either of them? Uh, using the, We have an over-under for Higby on uh, two receptions and 22 and a half uh, receiving yards and Everett. Over under two and a half uh, catches and twenty three and a half uh, receiving yards. So I guess they figure Everett maybe gets a little bit more attention. Yeah, one of the ones I'm toying with tomorrow to bet is the Everett under on the receptions because they they're not using him of late. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's only got two receptions in the playoffs. You know, right. they just not they've all of a sudden calmed down for whatever reason. I don't know why. Anyway, it's also they're throwing the ball to Higby. So now mm-hmm. I got to, you know, wh- wh- why is that? Like I said, week 17 against San Fran, against Dallas, and against New Orleans, Everett, two catches, that's it. You know, and it's mm-hmm. not like his targets have been up there either. He's only got seven targets, so maybe they're just, they're just not connecting. But Higby has been better. Now, once again, this could be game plan specific, maybe you know, where things are just working out that way. Uh, I don't know. You know, but I think if I had to, I might go with the under there. I don't once again it'd be a small bet. This would be a five five, ten dollar bet because I'm not uh I'm not feeling it anything strongly. But Goff has been looking, or at least I shouldn't say looking, because when you look at it, Higby's only got nine targets during that span, but he also has seven catches. Seven for nine, mm-hmm. two for seven. So things are working out better for Higby right now. Yes. All right. So just in general, any anybody that I, you know you feel that maybe we should talk about from the Ram side in terms of uh, you know either players or you know strategies that that would help them win this game. 
You know, I think, listen, when it comes to the Rams, I think they, you want to, on defense, you want to pressure Brady up the middle. I think we all know what we expect the, uh, the Patriots to do, right? Short passes, mm-hmm. Edelman, James White. But, uh, you know, I, I think and Scott Engel brought this up last week. You know, we know it. Of course the Rams know it. The media knows it. I mean, the, will Belichick or McDaniels do something different then? You know, mm-hmm. wasn't this a big Burkhead game? So I do wonder that. But if I'm the, if I'm the Rams, I, I, listen, I don't know their defense enough to see if this would work, but I would put Tlaib on Edelman. He's your best mm-hmm. corner. I'd want him on Edelman and force Brady to look someplace else. But I don't know how your defense would work if, if Tlaib is all of a sudden your slot corner. Yeah, that may not be possible. It's easy to say that. It, sometimes defenses don't work uh, that well. We have everybody else now playing different positions. It may be that may hurt you more in the long run there. But I would certainly want. Uh, I would certainly have wanted to look into that. On offense, uh, I can't say this enough. It all comes down to Gurley. How healthy is he? Yeah, you know, I don't think if it's a C.J. Anderson game, I think it's more of a plot. Gurley can hit you know, more big plays here. So uh, I'm hoping. That Gurley is healthy tomorrow. This is why I'm leaning for the Patriots to win. It's all about Gurley. If Gurley was healthy, I would like the Rams a lot in this game. But I, I just don't think he is. I yeah, we just don't know. Yeah. For them. We just, yeah, mm-hmm. It's weird. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure we have had this in the Super Bowls, of course, that there's been a star mm-hmm. player hurt. We just didn't know. But this is the first time I can remember in a while where I'm just not sure what's going to go on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you talk about Gurley, and uh, we got uh, C.J. Mitchell is going to be talking a little baseball with us uh, in the next segment. Then we're going to go the rest of the show pretty much. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit more baseball, but most of the show will be Super Bowl uh, related. But uh, you talk Gurley, and I'm going to talk a little Saquon Barkley there, uh, Sean Angle, uh, because in our we did like a, a six-round mock, right? So I ended up taking – uh, Saquon Barkley as my number one uh, overall pick over Gurley. And uh, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> you're right. You're right Homer. there. <laughs> <Homer>. <laughs> excuse me. Just got a really little, little cough there. <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I just said like some wise ass. I have no problem with, Gurley, uh, with Barkley number one. I'm probably still mm-hmm. taking Gurley number one, but that mm-hmm. being said, I would have Barkley number two. And I'm not one of these guys who's going to argue about one spot. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of silly. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So if there, I had, there are people like, who will. Say, right, right. If I had 10 uh, opportunities at the number one overall pick in my drafts in the next season, you know, I, I take uh, Barley, uh, Saquon Barkley uh, a couple times, uh, you know, and, and Gurley. I mean, the, you're, you're right. I mean, in terms of there's not that much of a difference. But, hey, I, the reason why I, I bring up Barkley, too, is, uh, well, first of all, and just why I picked him number one, th- this whole knee thing bothers me a little bit in terms of because I think it's the knee. But you're right. We might find out it's his ankle. We might find out it's you know something totally unrelated, like plantar fasciitis. Or, but uh, I'm just worried, and we'll know, like you said, within a week or two. You know, all of a sudden you'll you'll see like a little clip. Gurley had some cleanup surgery on his knee, or you know, right, something, right. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, something stupid like that. Uh, hopefully, it's something minor, right? And uh, you know, it's hopefully it's not. You know, something more serious. Uh, but uh, I bring up uh, Barkley because it uh, voted the NFL Rookie of the Year. And I just love this kid. And I'm not a, you know, I you could say I'm a homer. But, you know, what he did this season was incredible. But what he did also, he was interviewed. And, uh, you know, he... Uh, apologized to uh, some of his fantasy owners. And I don't know, Sean, do you have the clip? I got it. All right, let's hear what he had to say. I sincerely apologize. Um, I let you guys down there. Um, it won't happen again next year. Um, but I'm probably one of the reasons why True. you got, you got it in the playoffs. No, no, that's Lay it on him. That's right. Yeah, that's why you were in the playoffs because you had me. That's right. So what do you think of that? Here's a guy that's owning up to his uh, – he's talking about uh, in week 15 against – they were asking him about his week 15 uh, uh, game against the uh, Titans where he uh, rushed 14 for 31 and had uh, four catches for 25. So unfortunately, when we needed him most, he kind of slowed down. But, uh, you know, I I like a guy who acknowledges uh, the fantasy football fan base and uh, what he means to us. So do you feel a little bit better about Saquon Barkley? I know you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, but do you feel a little bit better about uh, Saquon now after hearing that i think more players should do things like this and he did it in a sort of a joking <laughs> way which is, which is even better right. for me i kind of like that right. you see so many players though well, i don't care about freaking fantasy really <laughs> it's a bi- couple of billion dollar industry we're driving football by the way why do you yes. think there's so many fans? yeah you're right this is why you get yeah. people watching the game and stuff like that because it's gamblers mm-hmm. and fantasy players 
know, mm-hmm. so you can say you don't care and well, you're all, you're all nerds or whatever you want. I, they do whatever you say, what they don't say. But we're the ones you, we're a big part of the reason you're getting paid. Okay. Right. I like the, uh, so yeah. that. So, as an, and I don't like people who go up to these guys or on Twitter. You know, everybody has Twitter balls and such. Oh, yeah, you, because of you, you suck. And that's idiotic. People yelling mm-hmm. at him, but you know I have no problem with Barkley there. I think that's fun. It's instead of turning cheek, just to acknowledge fantasy is fine. No one's saying yeah, you got to yeah. bow down to it. But these other players who like act like it's nothing, you're crazy. A big part of this you're yeah. getting paid is because of the gamblers and the fantasy players. That's why football that is, is taking off viewership. Point. It certainly mm-hmm. is. I mean, mm-hmm. why do you think people watch these Thursday night games that suck? Well, these Monday yeah. night games that that are bad too. You know, it's mm-hmm. because people have money on the game. Well, of course, their fantasy players are, are on it. That's why people are mm-hmm. watching football. All right? Uh, you mentioned you're a Giant fan. I'm a Cowboy fan. Sure, we'll watch the Giants and Cowboys. But what about the other 15 games that are on that week? I mean, that's why uh, fantasy has been great. And the NFL, by the way, was smart because they recognized this early on. They're the ones mm-hmm. that started to play towards fantasy, where baseball, hockey, uh, they, they've been, I imagine, basketball as well, a little slow to catch on here, how good mm-hmm. fantasy has been for the sport. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know if we have time. Maybe you could just say less than, in less than the minute we have left, uh, what would you think about Kellen Moore as your Cowboys' new offensive uh, coordinator? Really? <laughs> really? I mean, well, listen, I'm an, I'm an Islander fan, and the first thing it made me thought of was when Garth Snow became GM. Oh, God, mm-hmm. they can't play backup goalie anymore. But, you know, we have an opening at GM. What do you think? Listen, maybe Kellen Moore has shown something in the one year he was as a coach, as he was a backup to the backup to the backup quarterback, maybe. But, uh, I mean, listen, uh, they're, hopefully they're all gone at the next season anyway. There you go. There you go. All right, when we come back, we're going to switch gears a little bit. C.J. Mitchell is going to join us from Fantrax and the Roto Experts. we talk a little fantasy baseball. We'll be right back on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back. Weekend Fantasy Update. I'm George Kurtz. He's Joe Galena. Joe's in for Cam Stewart. Uh, Cam is traveling, traveling down to New York today for the Super Bowl. And Cam will be on live with Gabe Morenci and Corey Parson tomorrow on Fantasy Football Live. And joining us now, uh, Chris Mitchell. You guys should know Chris. He's uh, the host of all our podcasts, the podcast to be named later on uh, RotorExperts.com. Writes for Fan Tracks, Baseball America. Uh, and Chris and I used to do a podcast called Evil Empire in the Nation for, uh, I don't know, five, six years, as Chris is the Red Sox fan. We're kind of weird fans, though, Chris. Uh, Chris is a Red Sox fan. I'm a Yankee fan. But we're both, I would say, more realistic, maybe even more down on our teams than happy about them uh, more than usual. Chris, how you doing today? Pretty good. Uh, good description there. And also, we aren't fanatical, and I like to think that both of us are rational, which I don't think most people think that Red Sox fans or Yankee fans are rational, but I do like to think that you are and that I am. Uh, so we're definitely not the typical uh, Yankee Red Sox people. I don't think, and I don't actually hate the Yankees. Uh, I grew up actually watching more Yankees games than Red Sox games, but I guess that makes us a little bit weird, a little bit different, but nonetheless, just as loyal. It does. It does. Uh, now, Chris, uh, Chris, I guess you're a, I know you're a Patriots fan, too, so uh, I'm not going to ask you who you think is going to win tomorrow because I'm going to assume that's going to be the Patriots. Uh, so good for you. I guess you'll have a, a better weekend than Joe or I will. But uh, <laughs> now Chris and, I, we, Chris and I talk on Twitter all the time, and Chris had some interesting ideas for fantasy baseball about uh, rule changes that you can go about. Uh, I'm not saying I agree with all of them, but I thought they were certainly worth talking about as we all have ideas how to make our game that we enjoy playing so much better. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking at your article here for Fantrax. And uh, 
You wrote that you want to eliminate the catcher position. Now, when you say eliminate this, you know, without reading the whole column here, do you want to eliminate it altogether or just go from two catchers to one catcher? I, I joked in it that if you were a masochist, you should make it a two-catcher league. And I actually do have mm. some leagues that I play, just friends and family, that I use to. And that is probing the true depth of, of fantasy. And if, if you like to do that, by all means, do it. But I really think we should probably – again, I don't think it's essential, but I think we should eliminate the position altogether. Uh, from the analysis that I was looking at, Gary Sanchez had a bad year, so you, I, he wasn't really part of the statistical analysis that I was doing. But there were only five catchers that were even remotely viable, and really, even they weren't. Uh, for example, JT Realmuto Real was the best catcher. Yeah, I go by points leagues. If you want to try to examine value based on home runs or something like that, then you can get into lots of different ways of evaluating who's good and who's not and so forth. But I like to look at points league just to look at to see who's actually just good or bad, and, and then you can break it down into fantasy after that. He scored 433 fantasy points last year, which compares him to G- DJ LeMahieu, Starlin Castro, and Andleton Simmons. Kettle Marte had 423 points. So when you've got a guy like Kettle Marte, only 10 points fewer than the best catcher in fantasy sports, essentially that means that almost every catcher is useless. So every league has at least 10 teams. You're looking at maybe some leagues are 15 when you get into rotos. If you want to start a catcher, by all means, I'm not saying eliminate them from the pool. Just don't require every team to have one when the, really the only catcher worth owning is Gary Sanchez. And even you see last year where he had injuries and stuff, which is what's one of the problems with catchers is they so commonly are inconsistent and they're so commonly injured. Uh, just eliminate the position altogether. And if you want to own Gary Sanchez, by all means, if he ever was to play, say, 50 or 60 games or 100 games at DH, Gary Sanchez is viable regardless of the position. But, I mean, when J.T. Realmuto hits, what, 27 home runs last season, and yet he's the only catcher that was even – he and uh, I think it was um, – who was the other catcher? It was uh, Wilson Ramos hit 306. So, yeah, I just don't see a lot of catchers worth even owning, never mind requiring teams to have them. So I think just just get rid of them, just like we should get rid of the tight end in, in, in fantasy football. There's, what, one really good, wow. maybe two or three really good tight ends, and the rest are useless. I say get rid of the position altogether. So you're talking, uh, get, how are you doing there, uh, Chris? It's, it's Joe. Nice to talk to you. Thanks for joining us. You too. Um, all right. Um, so you talk about you know eliminating the catcher position, adding a, a, another utility spot maybe, or, uh, you know. You can do it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not really all that into, you know, whichever way you want to go is fine. If you want to add another utility spot, I actually play in some leagues that use two utility spots. If you want to do that, I'm fine with that. Um the, the, the more important part of it is that catchers just aren't relevant. They don't steal at all. The leading catcher in stolen bases last year was seven. So any player that steals seven bases, you're not even looking at stolen bases as a factor when you're drafting a player when they're stealing so few. So, so, so stolen bases is meaningless for the position. Most of them don't hit for a good average. So a lot of the catchers, the, the rationale I look at when I'm drafting catchers is, one, does any of them hit a home run? So if you can get 15 to 20 home runs, that's the guy I'm looking at. So a, a Robinson Chirino or even a Mike Zanino, someone like that. They're relevant because mm-hmm. they might hit 20 home runs, but then you have to look at the batting average and say, are they going to kill me or are they just not going to kill me? That, to me, is a stupid way of looking at a position, and, it, mm-hmm. and you might as well get rid of it. You have a catcher who doesn't play enough to, to contribute in runs or RBIs, or if they hit 210, they're, they're actually hurting you more than helping you when they only hit 15 home runs. So if you want to add another spot like UT, I mean, by all means do that. But if you want to just stick, I, I did a mock draft yesterday with 14 batters. If you want 14 but you have two UT spots or you just want to drop to 13, either way is fine with me. I, I don't think that that's all important. It's just so few catches are relevant that it's kind of a waste. And with Buster Posey falling off now, the catcher position mm-hmm. is actually becoming even worse. Yeah, I split the difference here. <laughs> I think when it comes to the catcher, uh, I think we're, I think two catcher leagues is idiotic. Yeah, I think what was the word you used, Chris? Masochistic. I think you're right. I mean, yeah, if you're, you're a masochist, you're, by all means, go to. Right, you're in a 12-team league. Good luck finding 24 catchers. You can't find them. Listen, the position is rough. You know, they get one day off a week. Uh, they get hit with balls, bats, runners, squatting a million times in the summer heat. So I, I agree with you. The uh, position should be. It should be a one catcher. I, I would go down to one. I don't think I could just eliminate it altogether here, but I can go down to one. Now, your next thing. You uh, about the quality start. Now, listen, the quality start as written, I think, is idiotic. Six innings pitch, three runs. That's that's a 4.5 ERA. That gets you in the minor leagues. That's not very good. You know, so I I have no problem. I wish we would do it more 
Seven innings, three runs. I could live with that. Give you that extra inning. Six innings, two runs. That'd be a 3.33. What are your thoughts on the quality start? Well, the way that you're talking about it is you want the quality start to somehow reflect what actually happens on the field, which is fine if you want to do that. Some fantasy believers, I think there are two ways of designing a fantasy league in general, which is do you want it to reflect what happens in baseball, or do you want to do what I think fantasy sports are, which is you identify a skill, you try to project how, what that skill will be for each individual player, so trying to predict how many stolen bases a guy will have or how many home runs he'll hit, and then evaluating their value on draft day. That's how I think of the fantasy sports category should be decided and, and, and how a league should be built. So I think batting average is an important skill when it comes to fantasy sports, but if you talk about anything when, they, when it comes to talking about baseball in general, batting average is becoming an irrelevant stat because they don't think it really reflects anything. It doesn't tell you anything, and I happen to agree with that. So I agree that batting average isn't reflective of how good a player is, but it does reflect a specific skill. So I, I, that's kind of how I look at quality start is if you want to reflect what baseball is like, you're right. It, it, having a 4.5 ERA and only pitching six innings does not make you a quality pitcher. It just, according to the quality start definition, it, it actually does. I think we should just try to look at the quality start based on the reality of what baseball is now, which is most guys only pitch five innings and – you see, don't really see them only allow three earned. A lot of times you're looking at four earned or five earned. So if you want the stat to reflect what's actually happening, I think you need to, most importantly, I think you need to reduce the innings, not increase them. Because not only are pitchers throwing less innings in general across the league, but because p- these mediocre pitchers struggle so hard to get through a lineup three times, you see, you hear that a lot now. And you know, I guess it's not a, a significant function of the media discussion right now, but once a pitcher gets through the lineup twice, that's fine. Once they hit a third time, all of a sudden the splits become drastically worse. So you're seeing more and more managers taking pitchers out before they run into problems that third time through a lineup. So that guarantees that you're going to see less innings from starters rather than more. And so if you did increase it to actually reflect a quality start, then the quality start would become even more rare than it is now. So I think if you want to use the stat, use it accurately, which is drop it to five innings. And if you want to leave it at three, in, uh, three earned runs, that's fine. But if you want to add it to four or even five just to reflect the fact that there are so many mediocre pitchers, because right now it's separating the top from the bottom. And I think you've seen that in the last couple of years, that when you look at the top of the draft, I think everyone says that you've got to go offense first. But at the same time, you have to get an ace. You need someone to anchor your, your starting uh, rotation. And if, you, if quality starts has any impact in your league, whether it's a head-to-head category or whether it's worth, say, 10 points in it, then you have to draft starting pitchers higher than you normally would, but only about 10 or 15 of them. And then all of a sudden, once that 10 or 15 tier falls off, then you just run away from pitchers and never draft them anymore again. So I think you either have to change the stat or maybe even eliminate it. I'm not in favor of eliminating the quality start, but maybe drop it to five points rather than ten, or what I think is the best solution is to drop it to five innings. And then if you want to change it, like say five innings and three earned runs, then six innings, bump it up to four earned, and if you go seven, maybe leave it at four or bump it to five so that it more accurately reflects baseball and more players have more quality starts. There were, I think I did the, the number, I think there were, 18 starting pitchers that had 20 quality starts or more last season. I mean, that's it. Only 18 pitchers had a quality start two out of every time, three times they started a game. I mean, that, that's pretty pathetic. A quality start is, happens less than 65% of the time, but even from the best pitchers. And then you, when you're looking at the mediocre ones, you're looking at 50-50, you're really creating a, a huge separation between the best and the, and the rest if you keep it at six innings and three earned. Yeah, pitching position is going to be interesting to watch this year. I'm curious to see uh, how many more teams are going to adapt uh, to what the Rays did last year in terms of you know giving their relievers maybe a, a you know an inning or two to start a game. Uh, I mean they were successful at it. I think they won 90 games. So, but let's talk specific players uh, among pitchers since we're talking pitchers and uh, some young guys. Let me just get your take. Maybe who do you think out of these four? might be ready to take that next giant leap forward. Let's say that maybe a Jarek Cole of, of 2019. The four I'll mention to you, uh, Walker Bueller, Jack Flaherty, Jamison Tayon, or uh, Mike Fultonevich. Of, of those four, do you have a favorite, or you kind of lump them together in terms of young pitchers that uh, are going to be successful? Or maybe can you pick one that's ready to take that giant leap forward? 
I'm a big Fulton Evich guy. Uh, you look at those guys that you listed, there's a little bit different. For example, Walker Bueller doesn't have much of a sample size in the major leagues, but the stuff looked pretty filthy, and we saw a small sample size of that last year, especially uh, in uh, September in the playoffs. I was actually in a mock draft for, with some uh, experts uh, on Friday for CBS Sports, and he was actually drafted by Tim McLeod. And as George can say, Tim McLeod's an extremely talented fantasy guy, very good in yearly yep, leagues. Yep. Uh, and I don't know if he's doing it this year, but over, in the last few years, he's run mock drafts on a weekly basis starting in, like, December. So he is mm-hmm. a really knowledgeable, very, very good fantasy player. And he drafted Bueller ahead of um, Noah Syndergaard, and he would have drafted him over Trevor Bauer and there was one other one, and Garrett Cole. So he would have taken a guy who's a, is a rookie who's never really put mm-hmm. together even you know, 150 innings in a season. He drafted him over guys like Syndergaard, Garrett Cole, and, and, and he would have drafted him over Trevor Bauer. To me, that's surprising. It doesn't mean that Walker Brewer is not going to be good. I think he's going to be very good, and he's very talented. So just from a general perspective, um, he is a, guy, a young guy that can really contribute. He could be essentially Luis Severino from a couple of years ago. He could do that. He could be that kind of guy. But I, I think he's being drafted too high. So from a value perspective, from his ADP perspective, I think he's being drafted too high. But uh, it definitely just from a pure, is he going to be good? If you're in a dynasty league and you own him, absolutely. He is extremely talented. For me, the best value is Fulton Everett. The guy strikes out 200 batters a year, which we see less than, what, 15 or 20 starting pitchers strike out 200 guys or more per season. And Fulton Everett is one of those guys. So I love him. I love the fact that he pitches in the National League. I don't think he gets much respect. So from a value perspective, I really really like him. Cole is an established good pitcher. I don't think you can disagree with that. He had a monster season last year. I'm not buying in that he's going to be as good. I, I, I didn't expect him to be that good last year, and so I'm a little bit unwilling to fully buy in. I mean, 276 strikeouts, and he did it in the American League. I mean, that's filthy good. That was, I think, third amongst pitchers in baseball last year. Um, so uh, I'm not ready to buy into that level of, of skill for Garrett Cole, but obviously very good pitcher. I, I'd say it's a guarantee that he strikes out 200 guys. I would expect a few less innings. You know, Maybe he doesn't have an ERA of, of less than, than 2.85, but um, definitely good pitcher. But again, I think he drops back. He regresses a little bit. Um, who was the other guy you mentioned? Fulton Evich, Bueller, uh, Cole, I, I and who was the other one? Flar- oh, Flaherty. Fla- yeah, yeah, and Teon. But you don't have to go. I mean, if you don't like either of them, you don't have to go into them. But yeah, I mentioned Flaherty and Teon. Both of them, I don't think, are on the same tier. Their ceilings are lower. Both of them are good pitchers. I think Flaherty has a chance to be a good pitcher. I like Tyon for what you get him. Again, value. But I would not put the, either of them in that kind of category. I don't think Tyon strikes out 200 batters, I don't, and I don't think um, uh, Flaherty does either, and I don't think they can be those aces. I mean, Cole was an ace last season. He was a Cy Young a caliber pitcher. I don't see the ceilings on those two guys. So for those guys, I'd like to own them. I'd like them to be part of my rotation, but you need to get them in the right spot. So there's a good chance they might be better values, but they're just not on the same tier. And really, they're probably a couple tiers below the other guys you're talking about. Bueller can be a top-tier, top-ten type of guy. He has that skill set. Flaherty and, uh, and Tyon don't. All right, Chris, before we get you out of here, we only got a couple of minutes left before we're up against the break. Machado and Harper, where do you think they're going? I think obviously one of them is going to end up in Philadelphia. I can't imagine. I would love to see them both end up in Philadelphia and make that make that a significant team. I can't imagine that's going to happen. I don't think anyone expects it to happen. But I think everybody would be better off if if it somehow could. I don't know. I think Machado could go to a lesser team than than Harper. I can't imagine a guy who considers himself essentially the Babe Ruth of this era signing with a second-tier team, which is why I don't think he wants to go to Philadelphia. Um, but you hear about how San Diego is serious about him. Can you honestly see Bryce Harper in San Diego for the next 10 years? Now, granted, his, his, his contract is going to have a bunch of opt-outs and all those kinds of things, but if you're going to sign a 10-year, $300 million deal, the idea is that you're going to be with that franchise for the next decade. And I just can't see him signing with a second-tier team like San Diego or even or even the White Sox. So... I still have to look at an L.A. or a Yankees, and even though all the talk is that they're not, he's not going there, I guess if Harper's going to settle, I guess Philadelphia is where he does it. But um, uh, Machado, I think, is a little bit more open. I could see him tr- uh, signing with a San Diego uh, because I, I, don't, I don't know why, because to be honest, if you look at Machado and his, his defensive contributions, he could be more valuable than Harper, and he's been more consistent. 
but he just feels because he he might be under 200 million whereas Harper is probably targeting something like 300 I can see why more teams would be interested in Machado and possibly be able to afford him and therefore they give him like David Price in in, in Boston he was offered like 50 more million from the Red Sox than any, anywhere else and that's the only reason he came to Boston I could see how that could happen with Machado where he doesn't want to go to San Diego but when they offer him 220 and the best offer that Philadelphia gives him is like 175 I can see Machado taking that kind of thing, whereas I don't see it for Harper. So I would say Harper in Philadelphia. Machado, I still think Machado should be a Yankee. So I, I think the Yankees <laughs> jump in and Machado ends up a Yankee. Well, I would, certainly wouldn't mind that, Chris. Certainly wouldn't mind that at all. Uh, real quick, where can we find you, Chris? At CJMitch73 on Twitter. Uh, my articles are being posted on Fantrax.com. Obviously, when football gets up and running over at RotoExperts.com, but Twitter's the best way. At CJMitch73. All right, Chris Mitchell, thank you so much for joining us today. Joe Galina, George Kurtz, we'll be back with Short Angle Behind the Glass. Weekend Fantasy Update returns right after this. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. All right, welcome back to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. Joe Galino on with George Kurtz. Sean Angle, producer on our show, bringing us back a little Van Halen right now. This was uh, post-David uh, Lee Roth days, right there, George? Uh, a little bit more pop sound to them. I Listen, I, I didn't mind Van Hagar. I didn't. But uh, I'm definitely more of a David Lee Roth guy. I've seen Van Halen in concert a time or two, both with David Lee Roth, not with... Uh, not with Sammy, uh, Van, uh, Sammy Hagar. <laughs> like I said, I, I was with Van Hagar. But I said, I, I didn't mind. I thought, I thought it was solid. I did think it was solid, but I enjoy it more. You know, with John Panama, uh, wait, da, 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 uh, eruption. More from the yeah. uh, David Lee Roth days. They actually were talking about uh, getting back together with the original group. Uh, I, I saw uh, the uh, I saw Van Halen a few years back when David Lee Roth uh, came back, but... Uh, uh, it so was I. without, uh, yeah, without Mark Anthony, I think, uh, Michael well, Anthony. It wasn't very good. Who was it? Yeah. And you know who opened for them was Cool uh, uh, in the Gang. I saw them at the Garden. Uh, was it? I, don't, I don't remember who opened for them. It wasn't Cool in the Gang. I remember that. Oh, uh, I, I was like shocked cool that it was them. I like it. That doesn't make sense to me, even though I kind of like Cool in the Gang, but just, you know, both of them together, it's, it's kind of weird. She's fresh. Yeah, Sorry. exactly, right? Can you believe that Eddie Van Halen's 65 years old? 65 uh, years old. <laughs> God. Isn't, isn't half his tongue gone, too, from uh, cancer or something like that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, heavy smoker or something. Uh, yeah, had, yeah uh, smoking or tobacco, whatever the hell it was. Certainly not what, a, what, uh, something, yeah. Not a good thing there. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm, Van Halen's probably my top ten as far as mm-hmm. bands all the time. I, I enjoy Van Halen. Ah, I like him as well. Uh, and, uh, you know. Little VH. Yeah. Come on, remember back, back in the day with MTV, you had the Friday night video fights? The video was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those were yep. great. I mean, jump, jump one for a couple of weeks or maybe a lot of weeks in a row. But uh, I used to love, though, back when MTV you know, actually played music videos. Uh, right. I mean, wow, that, those were great. Friday night video fights were a lot of fun. Yes, I agree. And uh, the, one, the, the one that comes to mind, I, I just mentioned uh, Hot for Teacher. That video was uh, pretty, pretty good, huh? Oh, that, that video is fantastic. It's, it's, good, it's a good tune as well. <laughs> that video is fantastic. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, uh, it was on the right arm. About, about, exactly. 
I don't feel tardy. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so uh, that was a good spot with uh, Chris Mitchell. And uh, t- it's good to talk some baseball. We'll uh, spend the last hour of the show uh, talking more Super Bowl uh, 53. But uh, let's get to you a little bit of baseball here. Uh, so uh, basically, we, you know, we talked with Chris in terms of Machado and, uh, and Harper not being signed. And, uh, you know, he talked to JT Riamuto, who uh, he's on the trading block. I mean, first of all, with Riamuto, do you think that he's just like – it seems like the, the Marlins – Man, you know they they pretty much were forced to give away uh, Giancarlo Stanton at a uh, discount. And then uh, now they're holding everyone hostage for Rio Muto. <laughs> oh, I think that's accurate. I think it's exactly mm-hmm. accurate. Uh, they had to get rid of Stanton because they wanted the same last big chip. Mm-hmm. Right, and they get they gave away Stanton away, and they also listen Azuna. The return looks solid. I mean, Alcantara might be a very good pitcher for Azuna, uh, so, mm-hmm. the, so that might be fine. But Stanton, they gave away really for, for peanuts, just a, for salary relief there, and they want a ransom, at least a, a top top player in return for mm-hmm. Muto. Uh, now we're hearing everybody what uh, Ram, Rams, Padres, Dodgers, uh, Braves are all involved. I think there's another team too that escapes my escapes me right now that's involved there. Uh, all the Reds, the Reds were involved, which is weird because they got Tucker Barnhart. You really don't need to go out there, Muto, and yeah, yeah, Nick yeah. Senzel or somebody like that. I wouldn't do that if I'm uh, if I'm the Reds. Uh, also, if I'm the Reds. I'm not so sure you're making a big deal to try and be a contender this year. Uh, keep building, keep doing what you're doing. You're still, uh, you know, I think you're still a couple of years away here before you're going to compete with the Brewers, Cardinals, and Cubs. But uh, hey, mm-hmm. that's just me. But uh, I mean, listen, it's February second. Obviously, tomorrow's February third. Spring training is starting in two weeks. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. not less for some teams. I mean, man, Machado's still out there. Harper's still out there. Kimbrel's still out there. Keiko's still out there. Uh, plus, mm-hmm. you know, there's Romulo trade that we've been hearing now for what? Over a year, it seems like. Can we get this done already? Hmm. Yeah, it seems like it's 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 the second year in a row where you know they've been uh, they've been waiting and waiting to actually sign uh, pitchers. Uh, who was it uh, the Phillies? Who was the pitcher, the big time pitcher uh, that they signed last year? Uh, pretty much right before the start of the season. His oh, Arietta. name escapes me. Arietta, yeah. It just seems every year it gets later and later. I, I mean. The, the, my two favorite times a year, other than, you know, watching the games, you know, on a daily basis is, you know, December with the owners meeting and then the, uh, you know, the trade deadline in July. I mean, do you think that baseball is like shooting themselves in the foot with this whole, you know, I understand, you know, owners trying to be a little bit more prudent, not giving up, uh, you know, 10 year contracts like they used to or whatnot. But, you know, when you look at football, you know, it's a year round uh, event, you know. Now we have the Super Bowl. After the Super Bowl, the focus is going to be on free agency, and, and at the same time, you know, the NFL draft. Yeah, baseball is really, in my opinion, baseball needs to snap out of it a little bit. Well, I think the problem with baseball, and this is not a secret here, is you have at least a third of the league, if not more, tanking. So they're not signing anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're just not, you know, and uh, but when I say a third, it may be half that aren't really trying to win. You know, that they, mm-hmm. they're trying to do, you know, what the Cubs did, what the Astros did and rebuild through the draft, you know, and then go that way. So they're not they're not signing anybody. They don't care. And then, you know, if you have these big market clubs, the Yankees, the Dodgers, who really don't need that position. I mean, listen, I would love Harper on the Yankees. Absolutely love it as a Yankee fan. But where's he going to play? You got Judge. You got Stanton. You got Hicks. There's no spot for him. There's just not. Mm-hmm. I know you say, well, Harper's better than Hicks. Yeah, but Hicks is the center fielder. That's the problem right. there. You know, I, I mean, I don't think the Yankees wanted Stanton, but they since they got him for a gift, they took him. <laughs> right. You know, right. so that, I think it's the way it was. I think in uh, odds are, yes, Harper would be a Yankee right now if Stanton wasn't on the block for free last year. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. just the way it is. Uh, would, uh, if I'm a Yankee fan, would I like to see Stanton traded and then sign Harper? Sure. That'd be great. But, you know, what are the odds of that happening? So I think that's your problem here. You have so many teams just not signing anybody. Just not mm-hmm. because they're, they're, they're tanking. They don't want to win. And then you mentioned it. Ten-year contracts, man, that, that's a long time these players want. And don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't mind the players asking for ten years, $350 million, whatever it comes down to. I mean, I'd rather them make, uh, get the money than the owners. Well, these owners are super gazillion rich, you know, so I like them. I, actually, I'd rather everybody give back some money to the fans and maybe not charge an arm and a leg for seat prices and everything else. But that's a different discussion altogether here. But I just don't think you're gonna, it's going to be tougher. Do I think, I think you know, I don't want to be a pessimist, Joe, but football, baseball, 
when his CBAs come up, boy, oh boy. I have a yeah, hard time seeing where it's not going to be a strike or a lockout. I just, you know, mm-hmm. I think there needs to be some serious changes, and I do, uh, in both sports where uh, these players are going to, you know, you're hearing it now from the baseball players how concerned they are about this free agency stuff, and something's definitely up. You know, and then mm-hmm. in the football, we all know the all the crap that's going on there. How much they all the, everybody hates Goodell. I think it's overblown a bit, but there's some issues there that need to be fixed. I have a hard mm-hmm. time seeing when these CBAs are up in these sports how there's not a work stoppage. Yeah, that's that's terrible because you know, you and I both remember what was it uh, after the well, in the middle of the '94 season, if I'm not mistaken, that was when the yep. World Series didn't happen, right? And you had the the Montreal Expos basically had the best uh, record in baseball, and what a shame Montreal that got they didn't screwed. get a chance. Yeah, uh, not to say that they would have automatically won the World Series, but they had a great team, uh, and you know the Yankees had started to to get better as well during that year. But you know that they that's spurred the whole uh, steroid era where they needed to, you know, they wanted to get some excitement in the game once uh, the players came back from the strike because, uh, listen, they really ticked off the entire fan base. So, uh, man, <laughs> hopefully that doesn't yeah, happen canceling again. Canceling the World Series, you know, that, that, that's rough. I mean, that was, that was yeah, a rough yeah. time for baseball. Yeah. And you're right, it probably did spur the uh, steroid era. It's probably why Selig did look yeah. the other way. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I always find that interesting that Selig's in the Hall of Fame, yet we're trying to keep plays like Clemens and Bonds <laughs> out. So you let the steroid right. commissioner in, but not the player. That's just idiotic to me. Plus, why, mm-hmm. is, why is Selig in the Hall of Fame anyway? I, mean, I, oh, I hate the Hall of Fame. Truly do. I think it's just uh, mm-hmm. it's so watered down. It's the Hall of Very Good or the Hall of Interesting more than anything else. But uh, if, if baseball were to do something, you know, I understand the game has some, uh, some issues, but to shut it down again when everyone's making coin. You're, everyone's still making bank. And you Absolutely, shut it down again. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. and that would be uh, <laughs> in all sports for that matter. They're always everybody's making money in all these sports. So if you you mm-hmm. guys decide to shut it down sooner or later, man, the fan base is not going to come back. But uh, right. I'm worried. And there is revenue sharing. Worried. Let's face it. And the fact that the the Padres are in on discussions about uh, uh, you know Bryce Harper and Manny Machado shows you that you know, these teams that we consider to be small market, you know, they have some money to spend. Remember, Seattle gave all that money to Robinson Cano. I mean, like the, the, all teams you know. make money. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The question is, do uh, they so want to put talk- it back into the team, or do they want to pocket it? Right. Uh, so let's talk about some specific players. Uh, get off the business side of of, of baseball. Uh, let's talk about uh, three of the uh, top young prospects that I think are going to make a splash this year. Maybe you can give me your an idea of who you like the best out of them. Of course, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Uh, going to be uh, the uh, regular third baseman for the Blue Jays. Uh, not sure if he's going to open up the season. You got that that rule two and, and whatnot, but Vlad Guerrero, Eloy Jimenez, and Victor Robles. Eloy Jimenez uh, for the White Sox outfielder, Victor, Victor Robles uh, for the Nationals. Now, uh, in my opinion, you know, you're putting together a fantasy uh, a baseball team, you know, you don't want to get too many of these type of guys that are, you know, uh, still trying to establish themselves. But if you had to pick one that you would, you know, try to roster on uh, on a fantasy baseball team, who's your favorite out of these? Well, they're all very good. Uh, I mean, if I was going to put mm-hmm. them in order, be the order you listed them as, uh, mm-hmm. which is Guerrero, uh, Jimenez, and then uh, Robles. Uh, mm-hmm. Mainly because right now, let's if Harper does go back to Washington, which is oh, that was the other team, by the way. Uh, if he does go back right. to Washington, and they did offer him a uh, ten-year, three hundred million, uh, then Robles mm-hmm. has no place to play. You know, so that mm-hmm. that'll end, end his chances where he'll need a, an injury or a trade to be really to be called up here. It's also one of the reasons why, if I'm Washington, especially with your other salaries that you've paid these guys, you got several guys making over thirty million on that team. Uh, it's pro- it's also why I'm not signing Harper. You know, you got to you got to save money somewhere, and I think Harper. Is, you have a replacement in Robles. I, I know Robles isn't Harper, boys and girls, but you have a decent replacement. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sign Harper there, uh, but still. As far as gambling, it'd be a gamble. If you you draft mm-hmm. Robles in round seven or whatever it might be, and Harper's there, well, you're screwed. You know, you know, you got either got to release him or you got a bench player who's you know killing a bench spot for however long that might be. Guerrero, I think plays. You mentioned he's the super two, which means he won't play mm-hmm. until mid-April. You know, that's when they'll call him up. <laughs> they'll use the, the the BS, the bullshit. Oh, he needs to work on his defense, which is true mm-hmm. by the way, but it's not getting any better in two weeks. The problem right. with Guerrero is this: if you're if you're in any kind of dynasty league, man. This guy's a DH waiting to happen. He's 19, and he's already out of shape, and that's not changing. 
his body type is never going to be uh, in, in shape. It's never going to be. He's, mm-hmm. he's a DH waiting to happen. You know, so that, right. that's where he's eventually going to be. But the man can hit. I mean, my God, Absolutely. can he hit. He's a machine. I mean, yeah. if he, if he, he's, yeah, you're right. He is a machine. If he play, I wouldn't shock me this year. He plays 140 games. I mentioned mid-April, stays healthy, plays. He hits 30 home runs. I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'll yep. definitely take him. I'll take my chances there. And uh, Jimenez, it's almost sort of the same thing. I think the Chicago keep the White Sox will keep him down for a couple of weeks, and then we'll see him as far as and then I. Uh, he's more of an overall player. He's good, really good, uh, and I, I like him as well. I like the White Sox, man. They're a sneaky team. Sneaky team mm. here. Uh, what Chris said, I agree with. I think they might be end up being the winners for Machado. I don't think Machado wants to go there. But I think they might end up being the winners because the market is not what he expected it to be. And this is why right. you don't say stupid things, Manny. I don't believe in hustling. Uh, moron. His, his agent, was <laughs> I mean, the, his agent hustle, had to yeah. puke. <laughs> yeah, his agent had to puke. Like, oh, yeah. my God. You know, he's just seeing uh, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching go out. Really, you just, you just burn money. That's what, that's, mm-hmm. what, that's what Machado did with that statement. Yeah. He just really put, lit money on fire. I don't like to hustle, and I'm not smart either. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, so, oh, yeah, God. and that's why I really baffle, don't want to. Please yeah. baffle me. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, what, what have you noticed uh, in your uh, baseball prep in terms of uh, any trends? One thing, you know, what I notice, and it's something minor, but I'll just bring it up. It seems to be that there's a lot more multi-positional players than than back in the day. I mean, when I first started playing fantasy baseball, I would always shoot for like a guy like uh, Sean Figgins, you know, because uh, you know he could play a couple of positions and he had some talent. But now, you know, we had talked about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, you know, the first base spot seems to be a, there's some position scarcity going on over there. But when you look at you know the top twelve according to NFBC, you know number twelve is Jerickson Profar according to NFBC. He could, he's eligible at short, third, and first base. Uh, you know, you got Max Muncy, uh, the ADP number nine, first base and third base. I mean, is it me or you notice that there's a lot more flexibility in terms of uh, you know positions that players are eligible at this year? I said I like position flexibility. I do. It's a tiebreaker so for me. As far mm-hmm. as using the player, I think that's the the way I approach it. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean. What I'm noticing, I we, we talked about as you and I before that first base is weak. You know, it gets yeah. real thin, real quick. So that's one thing mm-hmm. I've certainly noticed, and I'll be very aware of in drafts that, man, I may have to go out and get a first baseman earlier than I thought. You know, where mm-hmm. I just can't wait. What is it? Round five, where do you six. cut off the line? Because, like, I mean, you know, like Joey Gallo is number t- uh, ADP ten. I mean. Th- I mean, you really have to be a good drafter to take. I know that Gallo could give you up to 40 home runs, but it'll give you a 200 batting average as well. <laughs> so, That's I problem. Mean, you know, wh- yeah, 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 where do you draw the line? Like, is it after Rizzo? Is it after Bellinger? You know, I mean, Goldsmith, Freeman, Rizzo, Bellinger, I'll take. Vado, I'll, I think he can have a, a comeback. I don't mind Abreu. I actually don't mind Carpenter. Mm-hmm. That's about my cutoff, mm-hmm. though. Carpenter. You know, uh, right. do we believe uh, Aguilar does it again? And how many games will he play? Mm-hmm. And Carnacion could still be moved again, but I don't like him in Seattle. You know, Olsen. Right. And then now you get to all the players who have well, issues. You mentioned Gallo. Yes, right. you're on the home runs. No on the uh, the average. He's a killer there. Right. Hosmer's sort of the exact opposite. You know, do you believe Muncy does it again? Carlos Santana, a sort of a safe pick. You know, Ian Desmond. You know, there's all guys who are like, uh you know, he, he Desmond is schizophrenic, man. You either going to get a year where he hits two thirty or two seventy. <laughs> you know, I'll, but the, I'll never the, understand the, Rockies the appeal is how they signed him. Yeah, the appeal with him though is that he could give you the twenty twenty. But uh, you know, looking at last year, you know, in April he batted one seventy eight for the month. In the month of July, he batted three twenty one. Who the heck is this guy? Who are you, Ian Desmond? <laughs> Well, anyway, so <laughs> there you go. They're, they're touring, too. So we get the Rolling Stones and the Who On Tour this year. We'll be back. Play new music. Uh, we'll be back with Super Bowl coverage for Hour 3. You're listening to Weekend Fantasy Update. As long as they don't play disco. <laughs> <laughs> 